This is Alive with Joseph. We're looking at Leave Me at the Altar, number two. In the book of Mark, chapter 4, verse 11, Jesus speaking said, It is given to you to know the mystery of the kingdom. So if there is the mystery of the kingdom, it then supposedly means that there are also other mysteries that are not of the kingdom. And when the believer engages in the mystery of the kingdom, it becomes a system of advantage for the believer. Understand that it will cost us to advance the kingdom of God. That is, no believer breaks into a higher realm of glory without sacrifice. Also understand that every sacrifice decides its harvest. The first thing sacrifice will do is to kill you. What do I mean by that? Not to kill you in literal sense, but to bring you to the place of total surrender. That is, it frees you from the hold of self. Sacrifice frees you from the hold of self. It frees you from self-centeredness. There is also the Abraham test. Every one of us must, must pass. There is the Abraham test. Every one of us who must rise in the kingdom must pass. What is the Abraham test that we must pass? It is the test of knowing when to kill Isaac on the altar. Or it is the test of knowing when to lay Isaac on the altar. Understand that if redemption could have been accomplished by any other means, God will have allowed God would not have allowed his son to die. He wouldn't have allowed his son to die. But because the only way redemption could have been accomplished was through sacrifice, God had no choice but to lay down his only son as a sacrifice. Actually, God Abraham actually paved the way for God to be able to do the same thing because when Abraham laid down his son that was when God knew that he cannot go back from laying down Jesus because on the same Mount Moriah that was where also Jesus was sacrificed the same place where Abraham laid down his son so Abraham laying down his son actually committed God to make sure that Jesus has to be laid down for the redemption of humanity there are certain things that cannot be broken without sacrifice. There are things that you are contending with right now that can only be overcome by sacrifice. There are things you're dealing with right now that only sacrifice can give you the desired result. You've been approaching those things on a normal way, but you need to understand that normal cannot give you the kind of victory you are looking for. The fear you have of not making of of making sacrifice rather will hinder you from making advancement the fear that you have concerning sacrifice hinders you from making advance advancement many times have come to discover that we struggle to make jesus the center of it all in our lives and you must understand that in the matters of the spirit you gain things by losing you gain things by losing them that is to say whatever you cannot let go will become a trap to your life it will become a snare to your life whatever you have got into the place where you cannot let go it becomes a snare it becomes a trap now can I ask you this morning what are you so obsessed with that you can leave God for 
What is it that you're so obsessed with that you can abandon God for that thing? Now, that's a question you must sincerely and honestly answer yourself. The book of Psalm 50, verse 5, it says, Gather my saints together to me, those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. That is, the covenant these saints made was by sacrifice. What are you willing to sacrifice for you to rise? What are you willing to sacrifice for you to rise? Because you need to start viewing life from a cost and from a cost dimension. You need to start viewing life from a cost and effect dimension. That is, start approaching life from the point of view of sacrifice. From the point of view of sacrifice. You need to start seeing life that way because understand that there are things that life will not deliver to you if you're not willing to make sacrifice for them. Many believers have no commitment to God and they also have no commitment to the kingdom of God. Many Christians only want to take from God and they are not ready to make sacrifice for their faith. Understand that the gospel was handed over to us on the platform of sacrifice. So many men and women make sacrifice for their life with their lives for you and I to have access to this gospel. For this gospel to get to us. Many men and women, so many of them paid the ultimate price for us to be able to gain access to the gospel. And listen friends, if this gospel must continue further, then you and I must make sacrifice that will keep the gospel going so that we can be able to pass it on to those who are coming behind us. We must be able to pass it on. We must be able to pass a strong gospel to those who are coming behind us. That is, what was given to us, we must not diminish it. What was given to us, we must not reduce the strength of what was given to us. And the strength of what was given to us was birthed on the platform of sacrifice. So understand also that this earth that we live in answers to something. Follow me carefully please, because I'll be taking you to different dimensions of sacrifice. This earth that we live in answers to something. And what the earth answers to is altar and the sacrifices that are on them. Understand that sacrifice is a mystery. It is a mystery that the earth responds to. Let me give you an example. Do you know that for our salvation to be complete and perfect, Jesus Christ was sacrificed. Jesus Christ was sacrificed in seven different dimensions. I will not give them, I will not give you the seven of them because of time. He was sacrificed in seven different dimensions. That was why his sacrifice was perfect for time and for eternity. In the book of Luke chapter 22, verse 40 to 44, let me give you one of them. Jesus went to the garden of Gethsemane, which means the place of oil press. The word get means place. The word 
semeni means oil so the place of oil press now he sweated blood and the earth received the blood that Jesus sweated let me read the scripture Luke 22 verse 40 to 44 when he came to the place he said to them pray that you may not enter into temptation and he was withdrawn from them about a stone throw and he knelt down and prayed saying father if it is your will take this cup away from me nevertheless not my will but yours be but yours be done then an angel appeared to him from heaven strengthening him and being in agony he prayed more earnestly then he sweat take note of that became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground falling down to the ground falling down to the ground now the bible now tells us in the book of hebrews chapter 2 12 verse 24 that the blood of Jesus Christ Hebrews 12 24 that the blood of Jesus Christ speaks better things than that of Abel why did the Bible make such statement understand that the earth received the blood of Abel when his brother Cain killed him the Bible said that the earth was crying out vengeance consigning Cain now the earth received the blood of Abel. So even though he was a righteous man, when the earth received the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ became the most powerful blood the earth has ever received because of sacrifice. Understand, even though the earth received the blood of Abel, Abel was not a sacrifice. He was murdered so his blood was strong but not as strong as Jesus' blood because Jesus' blood was a sacrificial blood that was why the Bible now had to remind us that the blood of Jesus Christ speaks better things than that of Abel why? Jesus' blood was a sacrificial blood Abel's blood was a murdered blood so the blood of Jesus till tomorrow remains the most potent blood that the earth has ever received it remains the most powerful blood that the earth has ever received why because of sacrifice give Jesus praise this morning so because of sacrifice the blood of Jesus continues to speak better things and understand as well that every nation city territory they all have a gate they all have a gate and the earth as well has a gate you might not see the gate in the physical but in the realms of the spirit every nation every city every town every territory has a gate there is a gate there are gatekeepers and also the earth has a gate gates in the realms of the spirit they are entry points into a place of power they are entry points into a place of influence they are entry points into a place of wealth they are entry points into a place of significance this is the entry point of gates at the four dimensions or four levels gates are entry points into a place of a place of power influence wealth and significance and also understand that every system and every sphere of human existence on the planet earth also has an altar 
The altar serves as an entry point, as a gate into those territories. And one thing you must understand is that no one will just allow you to come into their territory and allow you to just take over from them like that. No one, no one. You cannot just come into any industry and you just take over. Or you come into any territory, you just take over like that. No one will allow you. No one will allow you to just take over from them like that. Why? Because the person or the people in that territory will seriously contend for what they perceive belongs to them. They, what they perceive belongs to them, they will contend for it. And one thing you must understand is there are people who every morning they will arise as early as 3 a.m. They rise as early as 5 a.m. They renew their dominance and their hold over the territory. Every morning they arise while others are sleeping. The Bible says while men slept, his enemy came. So while others are sleeping, this people will arise to renew their dominance and hold over the territory. They enter into fresh covenants with the day and they strengthen the existing covenants by sacrifice. They enter into fresh covenants, they strengthen the existing covenant by sacrifice. They rise to give the day voice. They arise to give the day. That is why as a believer if you do not understand the dynamics of the realms of the spirit you will continuously be at the mercy of satan listen life is spiritual i understood this so many years ago i think that should be in 1995 or so i was in a time of prayer and the lord said to me the realms of the spirit is like the auction market the highest bidder takes it all life is spiritual there are men and women with diabolical means and diabolical covenants who arise every morning to give the day voice. They renew the existing covenants. They make fresh covenants with the day by sacrifice to strengthen their hold in the industry where they are or in the territory where they are or in the place where they are. Listen, there are a group of people that are controlling the property industry in our city right now. They're a group of people. Do you think they're controlling it by mistake? No, 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 no. They are practically buying up every property in our city. They are practically, and when the church was looking for a property, one of them said to us, the one who owned the place we're about to hire, said to us, that they have reached the conclusion that they should not give rental properties to churches. And he said, I don't know why I want to give you people this one. But whatever it is, I will give you people. He said, we reached a conclusion. He told, this was not in the dream. We didn't see it in the dream. My wife is, he said to us, we have reached a conclusion not to give properties to churches. <laughs> so you must understand the dynamics of the realms of the spirit. So they rise to give the day voice. They give the territory voice. In the book of Exodus, let me show you something. Consigning Pharaoh, Exodus chapter 7 verse 15. 
This is the Lord speaking to Moses. He said to Moses, go to Pharaoh in the morning when he goes out to the water. God said, go to Pharaoh. Listen, go to Pharaoh in the morning. I want you to go and contend with him when he's about to renew his covenant with the day at the place of water. He said, when he goes, when he goes out onto the water and thou shalt stand by the river's brink against he come. Change translation for me, please. Give me something else. Now, let me read my new King James Version. Go to Pharaoh in the morning when he goes out to the water and you shall stand by the river's bank to meet him. He said, go and stand by the river's bank to meet him. You think that was coincidence or God was confused no no God knew what he was dealing with God knew that every morning Pharaoh goes to the bank of the river goes to river Nile to renew his covenant over Egypt to renew his agreement to give a voice that controls the entire territory so when he goes when he was going to renew that agreement with the water spirits God said to Moses go and wait for him there because because I need to deal with the altar that supervises that territory. So he went and the rod which was turned to a serpent, you shall take in your hand. Go with the word of God. The rod speaks of the word. He said, go with the word because you cannot deal with this territorial spirit empty-handed. You will require the word of God. So God was persistent. Go with the rod because you require the rod to be able to deal with the wickedness of Satan. Even in this season child of God, you require the rod. You require the rod. So mightily grew the word of God and it prevails. So you require the rod. And God said, go and wait for him. And we saw the contention. Number one, when Pharaoh arrived, he was shocked that Moses was there. What are you looking for here? How did you know I come here all the time? Number two, God had to deal with the spirits there by, you know, turning the Nile River into blood. The blood signifying that the blood of Jesus Christ speaking better things. And that was how that territory was dealt with and Pharaoh was messed up. Now, he went there to give the day a voice. How? By renewing the covenant he had with the water spirits there. Now, the Bible now testifies to this. Psalm 19, verse 2 to 3. It says, day unto day, utter speech, and night unto night, reveals knowledge. There is no speech, no language, where their voice is not heard. The day has a speech. The day has a voice. It all depends on who has given it a voice. If you give it a voice, it will speak what you have given to it. If a demonic person also gives it a voice, it will speak. So the day is just waiting for who will give it a voice. You must give it a voice. You cannot just wake up in the morning and just get into the day without giving the day a voice. Give the day a voice concerning the affairs of your life. Give Jesus praise this morning. Let me show you something else again concerning Noah. Listen to what the Bible said. Then Noah built an ark, Genesis 8, verse 20 to 21. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal on, of every clean birth and offered burnt offerings on the altar. 
and the Lord smelled and the Lord smelled a suiting aroma then the Lord said in his heart I will never again curse the ground for man's sake although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done the word the Lord smelled the word smell there is that is used in that Genesis chapter 28 verse 20 to 21 the word smelled used there means to breathe in it means to breathe in the Jewish meaning is to breathe in so when the Bible said the Lord smelled he was simply saying the Lord breathed in the Lord breathed it so God so Noah made God happy when God breathed it in the Bible said when then the Lord said in his heart when he smelled that aroma when he breathed it in the Lord smelled in his heart when God smelled Noah's sacrifice after he had breathed it in and the Lord now lifted his voice he now said he now spoke he now made an irreversible irrevocable commitment but he needed to breathe it in he breathed in after he breathed in he became happy he now made an irreversible commitment he now made an irrevocable commitment what was the commitment the Lord said I will never again curse the ground for man's sake although the imaginations of man's heart is evil from his youth neither will I again Noah what have you done you've messed me up Noah by your sacrifice you've messed me up and by this I make a commitment he said I will never again are you understanding me this morning I don't know what it is that the Lord has spoken concerning you I declare this morning it will come to pass in the name of Jesus he said never again will I destroy the earth never again never again he made an irrevocable commitment now listen to this very carefully also in the diabolical world the same way God smelled the sacrifice when they place a sacrifice on their altar Satan comes to smell sacrifice that is why that is the first thing in the diabolical world they are taught them they are taught the principle of sacrifice because they need to consistently continuously invite Satan to come smell he needs to come smell he needs to come smell that is why when people go to fetish people they ask them to bring things for sacrifice those of you who have been there, you know. <laughs> depending, <laughs> depending on what they want Satan to smell. And depending on the depth of what they are looking for. Sometimes they demand for human blood because of the depth of what they are looking for sometimes they demand for a blood you know of a baby sometimes depending on the depth of the sacrament they demand for the blood of a baby in the mother's womb because they feel that the baby is still innocent depending on the strength of the sacrifice 
So Satan also comes to smell it. And that is what is called invocation. It is called invocation. That is to say, it is appealing. So Satan and his demon spirits, after smelling, they now say, because of this level of blood of sacrifice or blood sacrifice you have offered, this is what we would do for you. This is what we will do for you. This is what we will do for you. That is why every time any diabolical person needs to rise, there is a consistent trail of blood sacrifice. Now, why am I saying all of this? Is you need to understand that while you are still contemplating or making sacrifice, the diabolical men and women occupying the territories where you are they are making sacrifices every day that is why with all your Christian names you still have not taken over because you don't take over by Christian names you don't take over by how big your Bible is you take over by sacrifice while you're still thinking of when will I fast should I fast today should I fast tomorrow should I fast next week the enemy is making sacrifice while you're still thinking this morning I don't feel like praying you know you know ah, Jesus prayed for me anyway that's ah the devil is giving the day voice day unto day utter a speech the night reveals knowledge what voice have you given to your day? What voice, what voice did you give to your day concerning your business? Did you arrive in that business early in the morning? But do you know why I come into this church before any of you arrives? I need to give the territory a voice so that any other voice that walks through that door, <laughs> the greater voice has spoken. They will just suspend outside and say, look, we can, the voice we hear here is too heavy. But some of you, you own businesses, your staff has arrived before you. You don't know which voice they have given to the place. You know, you, you're coming in as a boss. In the realms of the spirit, nobody knows you as a boss. You don't know the voice your staff has given that environment. You don't know where they are coming from. You don't know what they have in their mouth. You didn't go to bed with them. You didn't go home with them. And they arrive, they give the place a voice. They declare, they say things, they enter, they walk around prophetically, touch your office, touch everything. And they establish themselves. And you come in. You're confused in the office. But I don't know why clients are not coming. Day on to day, utter a speech. So that's why every morning, 5 a.m., I arrive here to give the place a voice. I declare Jesus remains the Lord of our life church. Jesus is king over this territory. I give it a voice. Listen, child of God, you cannot rule in any territory without spiritual aggression. Please give Jesus praise this morning. The truth is the earth is willing and ready to cooperate with you. But there are factors that must be operated for, for it to cooperate with you. 
It is not true that the industry where your business is doesn't want to cooperate with you. The industry is waiting for you to understand how it operates. Do not forget, the earth cooperates with whoever, whoever will understand her dynamics and operate the factors that compels it to work. The earth will cooperate with whoever that understands her dynamics. And the good news is for you, Jesus has already prepared the earth for you. The earth is just waiting to hear your voice. Speak to the earth. There's a scripture where the man rose and said, Oh earth, 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 write this man childless. The earth was waiting. And the Bible records, the, the earth wrote the man childless. He spoke to the earth. He said, earth, 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 listen. Write this man childless. Remember when, jo when Joshua also spoke to the earth and said, anyone that rises to build up the wall, was it the wall of Jericho, whichever wall he was talking about, anyone that rises said, will start it with their first son and they will complete it with their last child. And it happened. Why the earth is waiting to receive voices. The breakthrough your business is waiting for is in your mouth. It's just that you're not saying anything. With all your feasibility studies, they are good. After doing all your feasibility studies and putting everything together in the natural, now rise in the spirit and compel the business to obey you. If you shall say to this mountain, he should obey you. Rise in the spirit in that office and compel events in that office to obey. Rise in the spirit in your family and compel issues in that family to obey you. Jesus has already given you the believer of dominion over the earth where the seven dimensions his sacrifice represented. And one of it was when the, his, his sweat fell to the ground. He dealt with the curse on the ground. Jesus broke the curse on the earth, released it from the bondage, and brought it into the place of productivity. Now the earth is waiting to receive instructions from you. Now, do you also understand, let's build further, do you also know that the Holy Spirit, for the Holy Spirit to come on the disciples of Jesus Christ, they made a sacrifice for it. How do I know that? Go with me to Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. They made a sacrifice for it. The Lord opened my eyes to this. They made a sacrifice for it. The Holy Spirit didn't just arrive. They made a sacrifice for it. Now, listen very carefully. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, and as of a rushing mighty wind, and they filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Listen very carefully. Now, let's begin by understanding what Pentecost means. The word Pentecost literally means 50th or 50th day. The term originated with ancient Judaism celebration of the first harvest of the agricultural year. 
Now, Pentecost was the time when they gave thanks to God for what the land has produced for them and for what their labor in the field has yielded. The observance of Pentecost for, the, for Judaism occurred seven weeks after the observance of the Passover feast. Now, it also involved Jewish men, they gather in the temple in Jerusalem to mark the, that agricultural cycle, the harvest that has come with that cycle. Now, Pentecost went, it goes by various names in the, in the Bible. It is called also the Feast of Weeks. Every time you see the Feast of Weeks in the Bible, and you'll find that in Exodus 34 verse 22, Deuteronomy 16 verse 10. Now, the Feast of Weeks in the Bible simply means Pentecost. It is also called the Feast of Harvest. When you see the word the Feast of Harvest in the Bible, it also means Pentecost. you find that Exodus 23, 16. It is also called the Day of First Fruits. Numbers 28 verse 26. So anytime you see all of these words in the Bible is speaking of one thing. It's talking about Pentecost. So this day of Pentecost is a day of lavish celebration. It is a day of drinking and eating and nobody's allowed to work or do any labor. Now on this day when everyone in Israel was eating and feasting and having fun these men and women chose to sacrifice their comfort the feasting and merriment they chose to sacrifice it because they were waiting for the promise of the father they chose to sacrifice their comfort can you imagine what would have happened if these disciples loved their comfort more than the promise can you imagine what would have happened if these disciples decided that they were going to go and party a little and come back later? Can you imagine what would have happened? What do you think would have happened? They decided, let's go and party a little and we will return back because it was a Jewish feast. It was a time where there was supposed to be no labor. It's a time to celebrate liberty. It's a time to celebrate harvest. Can you imagine this man going to say, well, let's go party a little. It, let's just eat small. Let's just eat small. You know, we will come back later. Now, these people, they left the comfort of their homes to be crammed into one room for 10 days. The Bible said they were in room, not auditorium. Let, let, let's, let's, let's bring our minds back. In as much as we can refer to this place a room, this is not a room. This is an auditorium. <laughs> Are you understanding me now? Now the Bible said they were cramped in one place, in one room for 10 days, 120 of them. 10 days, 120 of them. 10 
10 days. Could it be that as they were cramped in that room for 10 days, some couldn't even get where to sit. Some were sleeping standing because being cramped in one room for 10 days, 120 people. Do you know what that is? They didn't go to take a shower. They didn't go to brush their teeth. Do you know what the breath of 120 people I've never been in a taxi. <laughs> Particularly during winter time, I've been there. And you're traveling from Joburg, from Polokwani to Joburg. And they've closed all the old taxi windows. And you're cramped. If you have not experienced that, you don't live in this country. <laughs> you're too privileged, <laughs> I tell you. And the breath begins to ooze. It becomes the most horrible four hours of your entire destiny. <laughs> that by the time you arrive, you, you check yourself if you're still alive. If you've not been suffocated. Oh my God. Ah, what I've suffered in this country, I tell you. Being crammed, 120 in the same room 10 days others were feasting these guys were fasting others were eating these guys were waiting on the Lord for the promise of the father a promise that they were not too sure if it will come remember Jesus didn't tell them how many days it would take for the promise to arrive he just said wait do you know what that is waiting endlessly without a scheduled time that was how the Holy Ghost came he came by sacrifice of men and women they made a sacrifice that means if they needed to sleep there was no chance of laying down they all were there praying. They were fasting while others were feasting and dining, having lavish celebra celebrations. Others were gathering their harvest. But for these men and women, they were gathered together in the presence of God. Listen, friends, pre-Pentecost, there was a need for spiritual intensity because the gospel needed to move. The gospel needed to move because Jesus has exited. Now it was time for the gospel to spread. So there was a need for spiritual intensity. As I sense in my spirit in this season, there is a need for spiritual intensity in this season because the believer must take over. Child of God, you must take over. Over. Your days of playing at the lower leagues are over. Your time to take over is has arrived in the name of Jesus. You must take over. There is a need for spiritual intensity in this season. And these men and women understood that. There was a need for the people to arise and make a covenant with God by sacrifice. There was a need for a group of people to lay down their lives on the altar so that the promised glory of God could rest on them and they could distribute it to others. Please give Jesus praise this morning. So the Holy Ghost came by sacrifice. 
the holy when you read that scripture never read it again the way you read it it came by sacrifice they lay down their lives so that they can carry the promised glory imagine if that generation had missed it Imagine if they had wandered away. Imagine if they have loved their life more than the promise. Imagine if they, if they got to the place where they felt, we don't really think we need to go this far with God. What will have happened to the gospel? Now you understand when I tell you, the gospel was handed over to us through the sacrifices of men and women. And we must not give anything less. Or God, posterity will not forgive us. We must not give anything less. What is a sacrifice? A sacrifice is you giving up something valuable in order to obtain something worthy. Also, the word sacrifice means giving up, surrender, and foregoing. It is an act of surrendering a possession a valuable possession as an offering to a deity. It is an act of surrendering or foregoing or giving up a valuable possession as an offering to a deity. Understand that times of sacrifice are times of seed time and every time a, 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 a person plants a seed, there will always be a harvest no matter who plants the seed. No matter who plants the seed, be the non-believer, be the believer. Times of sacrifice is a seed time and harvest time. Because while the earth remains, the scripture says, seed time and harvest will not cease. Also understand that the earth will always respond to sacrifice. And each time the earth receives a sacrifice, it responds back with a harvest. No matter who has made the sacrifice, every time the earth receives a sacrifice, it responds back with a harvest. And I pray for you that in this season, your sacrifice will receive a harvest in the name of Jesus Christ. I didn't hear your loudest. Amen. So when you make a sacrifice, always expect a harvest because no sacrifice ever goes unnoticed. Understand as well that the greatest sacrifice that has ever been done was the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. The Bible says, John chapter 3 verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The gift of everlasting life was as a result of a sacrifice by God. It is a sacrifice that God made. That is how me and you are able to have everlasting life. Also understand that every sacrifice flows from the place of love. In this, John 4 verse 9 says, In this the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. Every one of us today, we are recipients of the sacrifice God made. The love of God you're enjoying today was not cheap. It was a costly sacrifice. It cost God his only begotten son. So every sacrifice must cost you. It is not a sacrifice until it costs you something. 
it is not a sacrifice if it does not cost you anything. Actually, what makes it a sacrifice is because of what it costs you. Listen to what David said concerning sacrifice. King David said in 2 Samuel 24, 24, New Living Translation, I read, but the king replied to Aruna, now I insist on buying it for I will not present burnt offering to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. So David paid him 50 pieces of silver for the threshing floor and the oxen. Why must I sacrifice? Why sacrifice? Number one, a sacrifice is what you give at a time of great desperation. A sacrifice is what you do when you require God to intervene in a seemingly impossible situation. In the Bible, there was a story of a king who was at the point of desperation and he needed an intervention. Look at what the Bible said he did. Second Kings chapter 3 verse 26 to 27, I read, When the king of Moab saw that he was losing the battle, he led 700 of his swordsmen in a desperate attempt to break through the enemy's line near the king of Israel. Edom, but they failed. Then the king of Moab took his oldest son, who would have been the next king, and sacrificed him as a burnt offering on the wall. So there was great anger against Israel. Israel, speaking of God's people, and the Israelites withdrew and returned to their own land. There are many of you listening to me right now. You are just a sacrifice away from your intervention. You are just a sacrifice away. So every time you are due for a shift in levels, every time you are confronted with a seemingly impossible situation in destiny, with a, an, a, 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 an impossible situation in relationship, in marriage, in business, in your career, what you will need to do to rise and come out of that, that situation is a sacrifice. You will need to do what you haven't done before. That season is calling for a sacrifice. Do something for God that is beyond the ordinary. Understand as well, when God wants you to conquer a level, he will always ask you to surrender the most valuable thing at that level. And the very moment you do that, you overcome that level. And the moment you do it, you conquer that level forever. Amen. Number two, why a sacrifice? Number two, a sacrifice must be done consistently. As a believer, you should be a living sacrifice. That is why God wants you to leave your heart at the altar. When you leave your heart at the altar, you have become the sacrifice. You have become the sacrifice. When you become the sacrifice, you will now understand that certain requirements in the kingdom are not a burden. When you are to tithe, it's not a burden. Why? Because you have left yourself at the altar. You will now discover that you leaving yourself at the altar has made you a sacrifice unto our God. Brother Paul speaking said, present your body holy and acceptable sacrifice unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service, is your reasonable service. So understand that because friends, in the new covenant, you and I are called into a higher realms of relationship with God. The new covenant, in the new covenant, we are not just a sacrifice, we are now stewards. We are now stewards. And brother Paul 
speaking in first Corinthians chapter 4 verse 1 to 2 he said that then it is required in stewardship that you be found faithful stewards must be found faithful so as a steward of God here in the earth you do not miss certain requirements your tithe as brother Paul was speaking not brother Paul in the Bible brother Paul in our life church amen as he was speaking earlier on he said to us that you know consistency the camel feeding the camel stewards what Rebecca displayed was stewardship stewards in stewardship you are faithful until the assignment is completed so as a steward you understand your titan it's is a call to stewardship your tithe is not a sacrifice I repeat, your tithe is not a sacrifice. Your tithe is what is required of you as a good steward. Now, sacrifice transforms your life. A sacrificial life brings transformation. When you live a life of sacrifice, it translates you completely. Number three, why sacrifice? Sacrifice is an expression of love. It expresses your love. John chapter 3 verse 16 said, God so loved the world that he sacrificed sacrifice he gave he sacrificed his only son sacrifice is an expression of love and the bible said in, in second kings chapter 3 verse 3 to 5 and solomon loved the lord walking in the statues of his father and because of his love for god he sacrificed he lived a sacrificial life so sacrifice always flows from the place of love do you know why many marriages in our generation is is having a different kinds of challenges and are crumbling is because we have two self-centered human beings in a relationship no one wants to sacrifice no one wants to pay the price no one and when you have two self-centered people in a relationship they will soon kill each other they will soon you know walk to the divorce court why because no one is willing to make a sacrifice we live in a time where the word sacrifice is strange it is strange no marriage can never walk without sacrifice one or two both parties actually should make a sacrifice not only one both parties must make a sacrifice so understand that understand that the reason why many don't sacrifice is because they are too selfish they are too self-centered too selfish listen friends if you are not willing to sacrifice your convenience and your comfort you will not be able to go far with God you will not be able to go far in the race of life your love for God cannot be truly expressed without a life of sacrifice you cannot truly express your love for God without a, a, a life of sacrifice finally I needed to move that fast so that I can cover all the grounds I need to cover finally how can you make a meaningful sacrifice number one I'll give you only one be spiritually discerning or sensitive be spiritually discerning let me use three minutes to cover this be spiritually discerning or sensitive when you study the story of Hannah in the book of first Samuel chapter 1 when they went to Shiloh for their annual sacrifice in verse 11 Hannah was sensitive and discerning to know that God needed a priest <laughs> because the priesthood at that time has been desecrated by Eli and his sons 
So she made a sacrifice to God by offering her son. Hannah tied her desperate need for a child to a sacrifice to God. She negotiated with God. She said, God, I know you need a priest and I need a son. Give me a son and I'll give you a priest. God said, this woman, you're tempting me. He said, God, I know you're hearing me. You need a priest. I can see there is no more teaching priest in Israel. I can see the priesthood has been desecrated. And with the lineage of Eli, you can't find anybody again. I know you need a priest. I need a son. Give me a priest and I'll give you. Give me a son and I'll give you a priest. God said, okay, that's fine. Immediately, the, the womb of Hannah opened up. Listen very carefully. When she delivered the son, she didn't return the child carelessly. Remember, she didn't promise God a child. She promised God a priest. She did not promise God a child. She promised God a priest. So when she delivered the child, she didn't bring the child to God. Why? Because that is not a priest. She didn't promise God a child. God promised her a child. But she was to give God a priest. Listen to this scripture very well, please. I need to read this one. First Samuel chapter 1, verse 20 to 28. And in due time, she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel. For she said, I asked the Lord for him. The next day, Elkanah and his family went on their annual trip to offer a sacrifice to the Lord and to keep his vow. But Hannah did not go. She told her husband, wait until the boy is weaned. Take note of that. You can circle that word wind. Then I would take him to the tabernacle and leave him there with the Lord permanently. What, oh my God. When I read this, I cried. So I would take him. I would leave him there permanently. Whatever you think is best. Elkanah, what a wonderful husband. Agreed. May you be the husband that your wife say we're bringing sacrifice to church. You agree. You don't start crying. You know, all the money, every time, church, church, church. Well, let's leave that. It's a teaching for another day. And the man agreed. Stay here for now. May the Lord help you keep your promise. Did you see the prayer the husband prayed for her? May God grace you to keep your promise. I don't know who you are listening to me. Receive grace to keep your promise to God in the name of Jesus. I didn't hear your loudest amen. Receive grace to keep your promise to God in the name of Jesus. He said, may the Lord help you to keep your promise. So she stayed home, nursed the boy until he was weaned, weaned again. When the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. They brought along, she didn't just bring the boy, she brought along a three-year-old bull for the sacrifice and a basket of flour and some wine. After sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I am the very woman who stood there several years, several years on the line that was several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy and he has granted my request. Now I am giving him to the Lord and he will belong to the Lord in, in his whole life and they worshipped the Lord there. She said to her husband I'm staying here. I need to groom this child. I, 
am preparing this child to be a priest because that is what I promised God. I promised God a priest, not a child. I promised to give God a priest. I asked God for a child and I promised to give him a, a priest. God has given me a child. I must prepare for the Lord a priest. I must prepare for the Lord. I cannot give the Lord a child back because what I promised him was a priest. So she took time and began to win the child. She began to win the child. She didn't give God a sacrifice that to become a burden. Imagine if Hannah has taken that child after birth and gone and dropped on the altar. Who would take care of the child? Who would take? That would become a burdensome offering. I pray for you this morning. May you not give God an offering that will become a burden to his house in the name of Jesus. I promised God a priest, not a child. I didn't promise God an infant. I didn't promise God a baby. I promised him a priest. And I'm going to win the ball. Hey. She didn't give God a lame sacrifice. She didn't give God a retired sacrifice. Like in our generation, too many people give God retired and tired. Let's not call it sacrifice. Retired and tired thing. And they call it sacrifice. They give God what they themselves can't use. Hey, they bring to God what they themselves can't use. They bring a shoe that they have finished using. It already has hole. Hole of Polokwani Road. And they come and drop it to God and say, Lord, this is my sacrifice. Stop it. They didn't give to God. She did not give to God a child. That would have been a burden. Who would have lost the child? Who will have taken care of the child? Say, God, I promise you a priest. There are many believers who claim to have given God a sacrifice. And when you check what they call a sacrifice, he's retired. He's tired. Hannah took her time to prepare this sacrifice. She didn't bring the sacrifice when the sacrifice was giving her problem. If she was a woman in her generation, she would have only brought Samuel to God when Samuel was rebellious and said, God, I'm giving you my child. The way many of you only bring your child to God when the child has become rebellious. I see many people, when the child becomes rebellious, when they say, you know, pastor, I want to hand over this child to God. No, 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 no. Why don't you keep it? You're handing over to God now that the child is rebellious. She didn't do that. She weaned the child. We're still coming to win. She weaned the child. She weaned the child. She weaned the child. She would have, she, she would have brought Samuel to God when Samuel was before She didn't. The Bible says she weaned Samuel. What does that word win mean? The Hebrew word win, it actually means to become a person. The word win, W-E-A-N-E-D, it means to become a person. Many biblical families, when they hold a winning ceremony, when a male child was, it is for, when a male child is old enough to show his personhood, that is to say, his character was evident as he begins to make his own decisions. When a child is weaned in biblical times, it means that the child has become a proper person. They have observed his character. Can we safely say, Hannah groomed Samuel and waited to make sure that his character has aligned to that of a priest before she could drop him off to God. 
she was sure she was sure after several years when she was sure that she Anna was now a person I mean Samuel was now a person she now brought him said God the priest I promised you I can beat my chest I've prepared him this is him he left him on the altar leave me at the altar with my father he left him there permanently and he walked away which priest have you refused to give to God and you're giving God a child God is saying I didn't promise you I promised you a child you promised me a priest where is my priest but God when the child was born I dropped him at the altar God said no 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 that was not our agreement the agreement is a priest not a child can I explain why most times some people say I made sacrifice God said which one because I can't find it our agreement was I will give you a child you return back a priest to me you didn't return a priest you return back the child to me so where is I'm still waiting for your sacrifice but God I brought the child no that was on the agreement shall we rise on our feet and go home Thank you so much for listening. We believe you were blessed by the word. For more, please visit our website, www.alivewithjoseph.com, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel, Alive with Joseph Mogocha. Till next time, God bless.